The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters. Informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, where Mr. Rudolph Johnson III is President and CEO, and Judith Winker is our Board Chair. Our mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our community through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hope that today's episode and every episode of Leadership Matters furthers our vision of developing our leaders. We want to make sure we're adding value and just thought-provoking ideals that advances our emerging and current leaders. Today, I'm thrilled and just really excited to have our California State Assembly member, Dr. Shirley Weber, on the line with us. Dr. Weber, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the, uh, for the invitation to be a part of this uh, very important program. Yes, thank you. You know, I was um, at a breakfast, I believe the National Sorority of Phi Delta Kappa uh, were honoring outstanding African-American um, educators, and I had the privilege of um, witnessing your um, very brief but powerful, as I kind of mentioned before we went on the air to you, uh, just uh, sharing with the audience in your thoughts in that day, and I don't remember your exact words, but what went to my heart in hearing your words were really about, um, you know, how do we as leaders use our privilege and authority, and how mindful are we in making sure that it's for the betterment of humanity and not our own um, needs, so to speak. So really wanted to... um, have that conversation and have leaders from all segments of our nonprofit and public uh, arenas and, and even um, beyond just think about that. Think about their position in society and, um, and talk about this uh, concept of uh, leadership, character, and privilege, leading with honor, and really challenge oneself to think about, you know, how do I line up? Am I part of Martin Luther King's dream of forging betterment for humanity, or have I become part of the nightmare? And it's all about, you know, my figuring out how can I kind of keep what I've gotten and get more. And uh, so I think, in essence, really want to um, talk with you, Dr. Weber, about that, because that challenge um, and just the whole concept came to mind as I listened uh, to your um, talking and addressing this this body of um, outstanding educators. But before we kind of dive into there, I want to step back and um, maybe for our listeners who are less familiar uh, with yourself, I'd like to give you an opportunity just to share a little bit about yourself and your journey coming into, you know, um, 
this space of being an elected um, official as California State Assembly member. Right. Well, well, thank you, as I said, for, for the opportunity to have what I consider to be an extremely important conversation about leadership. You know, my, um, my, my background, my path uh, is that, you know, I was a poor kid uh, from Hope, Arkansas. My family uh, moved from Hope, Arkansas when I was three years old. I was the sixth child. Uh, at the time, I was the baby of the family, technically. Uh, since I moving to California, I, my mother had two more children, so there were eight of us. But, um, you know, we, we uh, moved to California with, with high hopes and aspirations from Hope, Arkansas, where my father was a person who seldom or never said yes and no to the people who didn't respect him. So it was clear we were not going to be able to remain in, 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 in Arkansas uh, with my father with that perspective of how he was going to live his life in front of his children. So we came to California. And my father was a man with limited education. He barely could read. He was sixth grade education. He went to school to sixth grade. Whether or not he had sixth grade competencies is questionable. Uh, and my mother went as far as the ninth grade. But they had uh, high hopes, aspirations, and strong values about how to raise their children and what what could happen to their children and why all of their children should at least finish high school and not go beyond. And so that was really ingrained in us as children that education was very very important and we had to be prepared because the life because life was not always fair and that uh, racism at the time in the 50s was uh, was basically trying to determine uh, the future that people would have. And so the only out you had was to get a good education. Uh, so I, I, I was raised in the projects of Los Angeles and the Pueblos, uh, eventually removed after a while. My parents finally had the good fortune to purchase a house because of uh, what happened was uh, an insurance uh, retirement plan that he was in because he worked in the steel industries. Uh, they changed retirement plans, changed ownership, and as a result, they cashed out some of the gentleman's money. And so he ended up with uh, $2,000 and was able to put a down payment on a house in Los Angeles, uh, which became our family home on 45th and near Broad- uh, between Broadway and Grant. And... Um, and I went to public schools. I went to. Uh, I had great teachers who believed in me. Uh, when I was in elementary school, most of my teachers came from the South, and so they knew why it was important to get educated. They were from Texas and and Alabama and Mississippi uh, at, at Holmes Avenue Elementary School. Um, so I graduated from high school, manual arts with honors. Went to UCLA, got my three degrees uh, from UCLA. By the time I was 26, uh, prior to that, with 23, I became a professor at San Diego State University and found one of the founders of ethnic studies. So I've always had a, a very uh, uh, progressive view about education and how important it was. Not only was I supported by my family, but supported by my church and my community and those who loved me and who embraced me. And I recognized at that point because they saw something in me, obviously, that I probably didn't see in myself in terms of intelligence and leadership and, and those kinds of things. As, as always in African-American communities, we've always been looking for the Messiah, the Moses, somebody who's going to stand up and fight for us. And so it became very clear that, um, that I had been given this, uh, uh, this gift from my community uh, to be an advocate, to be a voice, uh, whether it was in my church or in the neighborhood or community. And so I, you know, I embraced that. I embraced that. Uh, I was always taught to that, uh, that I would embrace that. And so I come to leadership with a recognition that, you know, that people have bestowed upon me certain resources or certain skills and attributes as a result of their embracing me. That's my responsibility to make sure that those talents are adequately used. Um, when I was at UCLA, I often talk about seeing the people who were going to people's homes and cleaning their houses 
and uh, I'd see them every day. I got off the freeway and went into UCLA, and and I really began to identify with those women because they, they reminded me not only of, of my mother and grandmother, but it also reminded me of the women in my church who constantly said, we're so proud of you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're so proud of you, little girl. You're going to be something one day, and we're going to. And to this day, those same people who I knew as a kid, some of them are still alive. One just passed away uh, in, and, in Los Angeles, and she was always, she was a, a teacher out of Texas, Marshall, Texas, and she was always encouraging me uh, to do well, to, to get the college, get the education, and every step of the way, whether it's graduation programs out of UCLA, whether it's getting honors and awards, even running for school board and running for the assembly, those individuals continue to support me. Uh, and, and, and the people in L.A. are sometimes, when I go to Sandy, when I go to L.A., some of my colleagues who live in L.A. are amazed at how my church, quote-unquote, turns out for events. Uh, Kern Price was here recently, this uh, councilman from L.A., from the 9th District, and, my, and I lived in the 9th District of, of L.A., and he, he talks about how when they came to, he did his event last, last year for seniors, and he had invited me to be the keynote speaker. And at that dinner were two or three tables of my church from L.A. that mm-hmm. still supports me. They heard I was going to be speaking, and they all got tickets and came to the dinner. Yeah, so I've wonderful. had a community of folks who have who've invested in me, and I think all of us have, and sometimes people don't recognize it, they don't see it, but I recognize the fact that I had some some folks who worked for me, who worked with me, who prayed for me, who gave me money, who helped me to go to church conferences and conventions, to be a speaker, uh, those kinds of things, and I'm indebted to those individuals. So when I come to the assembly, I come with the, uh, with the recognition that I am not just uh, Shirley Weber alone. I am Shirley Weber, the face and the voice for millions of individuals behind me who cared, who struggled, who Maya Angelou called the hope and dream of the slave, who basically said, young girl, we have given you all of this, and we expect you, one, to give it to somebody else, to open that door open, and to create those opportunities. Now, recently when I spoke at the event in San Diego, but also the event here at the Capitol, I was honored as uh, the Legislative Black Caucus Outstanding Educator, I mean legislator, and I said to them at that time, I said, you know, you are the fulfillment of King's dream. You're either going to be fulfillment of the dream or you're going to be the nightmare. Mm-hmm. But there's nobody else coming. This mm-hmm. is it. We are the ones. And if King had had as many African Americans in an elected office as we have today, he probably wouldn't even have had a barcher movement. He'd had a meeting with them to talk about their responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm challenging my colleagues is that mm-hmm. when we deal with progressive issues like racial profiling or voting rights of ex-felon or we're dealing with issues of poverty and those kinds of things, uh, people shouldn't have to protest us to make us do the right thing because they basically got us here. They brought us to this place not to fulfill my dreams but really to fulfill their dreams. You know, mine will be fulfilled. You know, there's no doubt that, that being in the legislature is a wonderful experience for the person who's there. But it should be an equal response, uh, a, a wonderful experience for my, for my constituents. When I go home I, and I see some of them in grocery stores or wherever, and they've seen my speeches on the floor, they've heard my advocacy, they've seen my legislation, and they know what I'm fighting for, they come up to me, they walk, they'll come and say, you know what? Uh, we feel so proud of you, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's because I try to be a reflection of the issues and the strength that they need to basically move an agenda. So it is very important for those of us who come out of all these diverse communities, black, African-Americans, Latinos, LGBT, women, all of us recognize that we are here. Uh, if you just look back 50 years, none of us were, were here in these great numbers. We are here representing over half of the legislature, 
over half of the legislature because of the activism of women and LGBT and Latinos and African Americans. That's why we're here, for, because of that. And you can't forget that. You can't slough it aside, and you can't avoid the issues that are so critical. So, yeah, I, I think that the leadership we have is a, is a gift to us, but it's a gift not just because we work very hard for it. It is a gift that was given to us by a community that worked so hard to get us here. So let me ask you this. If um, you were to, let's say, have that meeting, you said Martin Luther King were here today. He wouldn't, he wouldn't necessarily need to do all of the, perhaps it wouldn't start with the marching. It might start with calling these leaders together that have responsibility. And they would. And what do you think he would say their responsibility was? He would say very clearly that their that they that traditionally uh, our people have been the moral voice of this nation, and that we are the voice of the the values of democracy and equal opportunity and access. That's who we are. And uh, and I was honored recently when one of my colleagues got up and said, Dr. Weber, the moral voice of this house, I was honored. Not because he, he wasn't saying she's smart, she's this, she's that. He said she is the moral voice. Joan Sawyer says she is the moral voice of the assembly. That is important because that's who we are. And I think King would remind us that, you know, we're the ones who are supposed to stand up for everybody, for what's right, for what's just, because we are the ones in this country who suffer the most. You know, we suffer the most in terms of victimization, of, uh, of losing our heritage, not knowing our past, all those kinds of things. And I'd hate to get into this argument, who's more oppressed than who, but I think in terms of when we look at legislation, when we see the kinds of things that have been directed towards us, when we see all the, the physical abuse and things that African Americans endured, and yet despite that, we have still come out with people of tremendous faith, tremendous optimism, a belief in a democracy uh, that says everyone has a voice and a right to participate, and we, ha- and we should never forget that. And King should remind us, hey, you know what, uh, you know, you're the moral voice, and, and right. he should say, I pay the ultimate price. Why? Wow, you know, and I'm going to put a comma there, Dr. We're going to have to go to commercial. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to just continue, and I love that with regards, and I commend you for being the moral voice of the of the house and your challenge for others to be the moral voice of the nation. Please stay with us. Be right back with more on Leadership Matters. We'll look forward to also hearing Dr. Weber ask you to talk a little bit about what are some essential characters and qualities that the uh, public should look for in leaders, including their elected officials. So, again, we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. 
If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities. And then apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Back with more on Leadership Matters, bringing you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. For those of you who are just joining us, I'm Cheryl White, consulting psychologist and vice president of training and organization development at the Neighborhood House Association. Just delighted today to have California State Assembly member Dr. Shirley Weber with us. And Dr. Weber, I think before we went to break, um, you were sharing a little bit, and I'm going to just um, Throw it back over to you, and then we'll kind of go back into this topic on leadership, character, and privilege, leading with honor. Dr. Weber, take it away. Yes, thank you. Uh, as we were saying, you know, if, if King were to have a conversation with us, what we say, and, and I, I think I said pretty much that he would, um, he would basically insist that we, we not forget from whence we've come and that we recognize why we're here and how we got here, which is very, very important. Um, you know, and sometimes I think people lose sight of, of the role that they play uh, and the very important and powerful role that they can play in trying to change the lives of others. Um, uh, I know that, um, you know, it's essential when we talk about what kind of character does a person have and, and those kind of qualities make up a, the leader. You know, people need, when you're in, a, you're in an elected position, you really need to know who you are. You really need to know where you come from. You really need to know where your values are. And that is so very important because when you come into this, into this uh, arena, particularly at the state level or the federal level, and even at the local level, city council, you know, you, you're, you're going to have people who are going to try to change you 
and, and, and that doesn't mean that you're not going to be influenced by folks with new ideas and different ways of looking at things, and we all do, and, and change our, our perspective on some things. But you, but you need to know what your values are, what you really count as being important, because there will be those who will, if you don't know who you are and if you're kind of pushed by every wind, you will get the reputation at this place here as being a person who, is, who will always uh, flip-flop and you can't count on them and those kinds of things. And when that happens, then your colleagues don't really always support what you're going to do because uh, they know that you will not necessarily be consistent in your values and consistent about who you're going to advocate for and what you hear about. We sometimes lose sight of the fact that we've come here as the voice of the people because there are people hired to be the voices of special interest groups. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I respect those individuals. They're often called lobbyists, but they're here. Uh, at the, at this at this place, uh, uh, being paid to 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 influence our thinking and to give us information, and that's great, that's fine. But we also should never lose sight that we're also here because there are some people who who can afford a lobbyist. But but what the things that we do will directly affect their lives, either for the positive or for the negative. And so as a result, you have to really know who you are. You have to be well grounded in your belief system and and the principles, because oftentimes there are lots of challenges that sound good on the surface, but would erode the, the freedoms or the opportunities or, or the, the rights of individuals uh, simply by one vote, or one, one movement of the pen, and, and you change uh, a fundamental issue uh, that, we, that we hold dear in this, in this country. And so it really is, um, uh, you need to know, a person who comes here really needs to be clear about who they are, what they represent, mm-hmm. and comfortable sometimes in being unpopular. Uh, because if your popularity drives what you are about and you always want to be reinforced in a positive way, I tell people this is not the place to come. Because okay, as soon so as me, you pick up one issue, yeah. somebody's going to challenge one another. So let me ask you this. So mm-hmm. as the public uh, thinks about who they're going to send uh, to represent them, and as we think about the character and the quality uh, qualities um, that we might look for in a leader, what do you think are some of the essential character qualities that the public should really consider when they're um, voting for uh, someone who they're going to be sending to represent them? Exactly. You know, first thing I, I always tell people, you know, get you somebody who's kind of smart, okay, at least. <laughs> I mean, someone, and that, and that sounds weird, but you really need someone. Because when you come to a place like this, there are a multitude of issues that you're being asked to vote on. You know, you're being asked to vote on, I'm being asked to vote on things about uh, farms and animals and water concerning those animals and the rights of, of farm workers. And, and, you know, in my district, we don't have that. We don't have, you know, that much in terms of farms and, and, and those issues. And yet I'm asked to, to be an advocate sometimes and to fight for those issues or to at least make intelligent decisions about the lives of people on the other side of the state that my folks don't even know about. And so, and I don't, and, and so you need somebody who's smart, somebody who's willing to do the work. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of work. You have a lot of staff to help you, but you still ought to be smart enough to understand the complex issues that are here. And unfortunately, you know, you run across folks who don't. And so I tell people, you know, if you're going to pick a person to represent you, you want a person who, one, who's smart, who's smart enough to understand the issues. You want also to hire somebody who's smart enough and yet at the same time has such a, has a common enough experience that they can, they can relate to you, they, that you, they're still approachable, they're not above you because they can identify with you, and that's really, really important. The other thing is ask what has this person done. I'm, I'm content- Continue to be amazed about people who who literally done nothing, and end up here in the assembly 
are representing uh, individuals who have no no base experience to draw upon, and that and that's really really important because. Um, you know, when you are looking at issues, hopefully you have a base of experience that you can relate to, that you can somehow or another pull forward some of the issues that are before you. If you're dealing with vaccination, which is a highly controversial issue up here, I'm hoping that you have some experience in your community or in your own personal life or something that drives the conversation as to why you're voting on this particular issue. Um, uh, and, and so it, to me it becomes important that you're smart enough, that, you're, that, you, that you have enough common experience to be able to relate to your audience but then lastly, that you have a commitment. You know, I used to teach a class in the community on community engagement, and one of the things I learned in this book, uh, uh, From Poverty to Dignity, is there are two things that communities need. They need people who are competent, who are very smart, but they also need people who are smart and committed because you can have smart people who don't care, and then that can be a disaster, or you can have people who are really committed and want to do the work, but they don't have the knowledge to do it. And so you want somebody who has, who not only is very smart, but also and has the information, knowledge, and experience. But you also want someone who is very committed, who is courageous enough to stand sometimes in the face of the wind to do what is right. And that is not always easy to find. You know, uh, Maya Angelou often says that you can't, you can't exercise or implement any value system that you have unless you have courage. Because someone is going to challenge your values, no matter what it is. If it's, if it's your value of, 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 of basically creating a peaceful environment in the world, someone's going to challenge that. And if you wish you watched, you can't. You won't be able to implement and stand firm on, on the fact that you believe in peace and not violence and, and all the things that's happened. So you need to really have courage because there are many assaults on you, whether it's personality, whether it's, um, you know, whether you have the, um, you know, whether there's somebody's talking about your ideas or attacking you that they're not going to vote for you next time, they're not going to this. And some people cave underneath that without realizing and say, you know, these are the values that I stand for that are reflective of the people that I'm representing, and, I, and I'm going to hold fast to those values and, uh, and so long until someone proves them to be wrong. And oftentimes they don't. It's just that they have different sets of values, and, and as a result, if you're not clear about it, you will cave. People need mm-hmm. to have courage in these offices, and that's one of my main pet peeves a lot of time is that, I, you know, you put forth an idea that people think is great, and you ask them why aren't they voting for it, and they can't even explain it to you because somebody told them not to vote for it. Well, who told you, and why did they tell you that, and what impact will that have on uh, the citizens and others? So you need to have, when you get in this position, you need to have courage. You need to have courage to stand for what you believe in and stand in the face of the wind, uh, if necessary, to basically advocate for your thing your bill. And, and you know, we, I, each year I have at least a couple of controversial bills that always demand of me a little bit more courage uh, than I've had before because oftentimes I'm fighting huge lobby groups who have lots of money, who have this and have that. And my, if my main focus is to get re-election, re-elected, then I wouldn't do any half the things I do. But that's not my main focus. My main focus is to basically represent the people uh, of the 79th Assembly District and represent them as well as I can and to move the agenda forward so that everyone has equal opportunity and access to justice and education and all those other wonderful things that we hold near and dear. Okay, well, I love that. I think you have given us, uh, I think, some really key things to look at and being that this is such a, we're in the midst of of all of the uh, political elections, I think it's important for us to be able to take that list you gave us and, and really kind of think about, you know, is this a smart person? You know, can they understand complex issues? Um, is this a person that has some common experience? Are they relatable? Do they have experience 
that's relevant to draw upon? Are they committed to the cause? Are they courageous? Do they have shared values? I think that's a wonderful list uh, for us to think about as we are moving forward in this um, election season and, and really kind of thinking about some of these key positions that we're going to be um, electing officials. Yes. And, and in addition in. to that, does this person have integrity? Yeah, uh, uh, that's important. You know, mm-hmm. if you uh, there ought to be there ought to be some place a line that you draw that you just won't go beyond. Mm-hmm. And I tell mm-hmm. people, where's your line? You know, mm-hmm. where's that line that you've drawn? I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. There's certain things I'm just not going to do. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I just don't do those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. And so, well, we have got to take another break. Okay. I, um, appreciate what you have shared. When we come back, I'm going to ask you really to think about, you know, how might a leader challenge themselves to stay grounded? In the midst of all that's out there to tempt people and to sway them, how might they actually really um, challenge themselves to stay grounded and consider humanity in their decision-making? So please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo. Get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays for our special series on transforming your business. Learn how to become the transformation leader who looks ahead to the next wave of innovation on transforming your business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Tuesdays, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, on the Business Channel. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, 
please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today, we're honored to have California State Assembly member, Dr. Shirley Weber, with us today discussing leadership, character, and privilege, leading with honor, making sure that we each challenge ourselves to be part of Martin Luther King's dream and not to become part of the nightmare where our concerns are just kind of caught up in... um, and what we've got and what we can get uh, individually. And so with that question, I'm going to talk a little bit with regards to we all know that as one advances in leadership, often what comes along with it is greater authority, greater opportunity, greater privileges, and in some ways more temptation. So I'm going to ask you, um, Dr. Weber, you know, what can a leader do? What might they regularly ask themselves to stay with what you talked about right before we went to break, you know, that integrity, and really stay grounded and considerate of humanity in their decision-making? Well, I think one of the things that's important, um, you know, whether, and, and, I, and I define leadership in, in a very broad sense because even though I'm, I'm here in Sacramento, I have, you know, I, I think I've been given an opportunity to be a leader uh, oftentimes in so many different places in so many different worlds and sometimes in small ways as, as some would perceive and sometimes very large ways in terms of responsibility that we have. You know, I always, uh, I always ask folks when I'm in leadership is whether or not I'm treating uh, those who work with me and those who've entrusted their faith in me uh, in the manner in which I'd like to be treated, you know, uh, as, as uh, you know, not re- realizing that, that I am their, basically their servant, they're not mine, and how do I uh, carry myself and how do I carry their agenda forward, that's so very, very important. Uh, and, and I think those of us in, in office ought to ask ourselves on a regular basis, what have I done good lately or today for the people that I've been asked to represent and makes basically saying, well, I, oh, I've, I've done a great job because now I'm chair of this so-and-so, so-and-so. Well, that really is for you. The question is, what have you utilized that chairmanship or the activity or the resources in order to make a difference? You know, one of the things I, 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 I do in terms of just making sure that I'm well-grounded and I always have, um, you know, when I was a student at UCLA, oftentimes students went to school and became more important in the communities that, that, that they represented or the communities they came out of. I regularly and always went, uh, stayed in my community, worked in my community, stayed at my church, uh, you know, participated at that level. Uh, even now as a legislator, I, I talk to a lot of folks here and, and they're figuring out how, why they're losing their friendship base and why they, they don't, they don't have the same friends they once had. And I, you know, I, I stay in close contact with my friends. Um, uh, I, I relish the opportunity when I come home to basically get together with my sister friends for dinner or at my house to play chicken foot or whatever we're going to do, uh, in order to make sure I stay grounded, that I, that I stay in touch with uh, the folks that I'm there to serve. I, I make sure that my children have a very uh, significant part in my life. My grandkids have a significant part of my life. And they're small, and I make make sure when I'm home that they spend a minimum of one night a week at my house, uh, uh, you know, so that they can be a part of whatever the, this this wonderful experience I'm having, but also so that I forever see them as the reason why Grandma is going to Sacramento to make such a tremendous sacrifice every week to be away from home. It's to create a better world 
world for them. And so I think sometimes we get caught up and we only surround ourselves by elected officials and folks who will act like us and who can do things for us or either lobbyists or financial supporters. I never forget the people who got me here, and I never forget my friends. And I'm close to my friends. Uh, uh, you know, I go visit them when I'm at home. If anybody's sick and in the hospital, I'm the first one in the hospital to see how you're doing, what's going on, coming by your house to visit you. So I take my role in, as, as a as a citizen, as a friend, very it's a very important role for me, for my family, for my friends, for my church. Um, I regularly, when I'm here at the Capitol, ask my church to pray for me, um, you know, for the, for the decisions I'm making. And when we're out of session and we go back into session, I, I generally go before the, the church and say, you know, I'm going back in session for the next six to nine months. I'll be home on weekends. But you guys pray for me that I will hold fast to my faith and my truth and what I believe. And, and I think that's important because, you know, you want to have uh, all those good things that got you here still in you, you know, um, and I, always, I used to tell people when I went to UCLA, I said, I didn't come to UCLA because I didn't like where I lived. I didn't come there because I didn't like the people that I work with and I live with. I didn't hold my community in disdain, okay? I came to UCLA to get more knowledge, more education, so I could have more options in my life, but also so I could provide those options to those who, who, who did not come to UCLA with me, but who nonetheless were just as much a part of my education as, as my friends, as, as, as my family was. And so I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. And it's very mm-hmm. easy to get here and get intoxicated mm-hmm. by the power and the influence and the places that you can go. I mean, the travels I've taken, the places I've gone on behalf of the state. And so when I come back and I've been to Sweden and looked at environmental issues, I, I go to the community and share that with them to let them know where I've been and why I did it and, and how this might help us as we deal with the issues of climate change in our community and sustainable communities and those kinds of things. So I think, it, it, you know, to stay grounded means that you, you really have to work at it because there's so many things here that elevate you to a level of, you know, you're meeting with the governor, you're meeting with the president, former presidents, you're meeting with these people, and you could get caught up in that. You're mm-hmm. really into it. And then you lose sight of the fact of who you are. You're just a, a person who happened to be fortunate enough to be given and trusted to represent and to carry the voice for some people. So mm-hmm. I tell folks all the time, you know, don't forget from whence you've come. Uh, do not do that. When I was a kid walking to Manual Arts High School from my dad's house, I used to pass by this building. It had this big picture of Africa on it. I don't know who what organization was in this building, but it had a statement that I never forgot. It says, never forget from whence you come. And I, and I remember that, 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 that phrase, and it didn't ring to me at the time, but every day I walked by, I saw that. And it, and it reinforced the fact that, you know, don't forget who you are. You know, yes, you're, you're all that in a bag of chips, but in the end, you're still this little girl who was raised in the projects and then eventually moved to 45th and Broadway, and you're still the person who has certain characteristics and certain strengths as a result of that uh, that should not be denied and should not be minimized. And so uh, if a person's going to, you know, if you're looking for someone, you know, to stay grounded, it's really important that you, you hold fast to your friends and your family uh, and, and those in your, in your church and your immediate community because that really is where your strength is and you yeah. don't lose sight of that simply mm-hmm. because you've come to the Capitol. Right. Well, I love that. You know, that takes me back to uh, my uh, pastor, Pastor Cedric Manley, did mm-hmm. a sermon once, and, it's, and it was titled, um, It's a Setup, Don't Fall For It. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and they say there can be so much out there that can be setups. And I love what I'm hearing you say, and it actually connected well, and that is just really staying connected and, you know, just how essential relationships are and that connected to 
our spirituality, connected to our family, connected to our friends, and staying connected to our purpose with regards to not losing sight of being purposeful about right. making that positive impact. You know, yeah, and when I first came to Sacramento, and I still get the question, uh, people ask me, do I love it here? Do you love it? Do you love being elected official? Do you love it? And I always say no. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Why? Why? I said, it's, a, it's an honor. I, I like being here. I can make a difference. I said, but the problem is, if I love it here, then I will do anything to stay here. And that is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. There's some things I'm not going to do, even if it costs me my reelection. Because I'm not going to do it. Because I have a, I have a full life uh, outside of the Capitol. I have a full life in San Diego. I had a full life there. still have a full life there. I still have a way in which I can always make a difference because I made a difference before I came to Sacramento. And, I, and when I leave Sacramento, I'll continue to make a difference in my community and in the lives of the people I meet every day. So I'm not going to tell people I don't love this place because if you love it, then you will do anything to stay here. And there are some people who love it here, who love the power. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they will do anything to remain here. And that, mm-hmm. to me, could be very dangerous. And so I, yeah. I tell people all the time, no, I don't love it. I like what I do. I feel honored. I think I do a good job. But I'm not going to fall in love with this job because when you fall mm-hmm. in love with things, you will do mm-hmm. anything to keep it. And That's I a really powerful thing position. to ponder and think about because it, it's really what are we staying in love with? What am I staying connected to? Do I... Am I in love with the power or am I in love with the people and the purpose? Exactly. And you can yeah. fulfill the needs of mm-hmm. the people in many, many mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. 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 So really, that's another, uh, another important piece for us to ask ourselves as leaders. And I'm thinking leaders, not only as elected officials, but those of us who have been blessed to have authority, Exactly. Um, over anyone in any capacity. I don't care if you're a first-level supervisor, uh, manager, you know, division head, CEO, if, you know, it's how do we manage ourselves so that we're using our power, our influence, our resources, our authority in a way that is just um, and um, for the betterment of humanity. And, and so really just being aware of, you know, what am I attaching myself to? You know, what am I falling in love with, as you said, Dr. Weber? And um, being mindful and I'm almost substituting the word love with what am I what am I allowing myself to develop a commitment to exactly because if I develop a commitment to the wrong things it might lead to me doing the wrong things exactly mm-hmm. yeah no that's a powerful thought thank you for that I had a couple of questions from our audience mm-hmm. Karen from Oakland thank you so much for your question your question uh, to Dr. Weber is what most influenced you to want to become a public servant you know, my, um, you know, I, I, I spent my whole life believing that the greatest thing you could ever do is serve. And, uh, that comes out of my Christian background. It came from, comes from my mother, who was a very giving and serving person. And so I've always been engaged in, in community. So it's not like me coming to Sacramento made me all of a sudden a servant. Uh, you know, I, from the time I was a teenager, I used to conduct programs at my community. I, I organized the church's first uh, kind of homeless feed situation Thanksgiving. We were a bunch of teenagers collecting turkeys from members in the church who cooked the dinners, and, and we gave up our Thanksgiving to go and to feed feed people and put the flyers out in our community because I felt feeding was was important. And we did this, and the church was amazed because they hadn't even thought about feeding folks like that in those days. And so we, you know, we did those kinds of things. I've, you know, done a lot of outreach in different communities in, in, in the prison community. So for me, service is just a part of my life. My mother was a, a, a phenomenal woman 
who was just an ordinary woman who gave so much to everybody in the community uh, and often did it without any fanfare. We didn't know all these things she was doing, but she was a giver. And so I, my service comes out of that kind of tradition. Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Weber, for responding to Pam. Karen, I have your question here. We'll ask it next, but we unfortunately need to take a break. Karen okay. is asking Dr. Weber to share um, what do you most hope you're able to accomplish in your lifetime. So when we come back from break, we will uh, respond, Karen, to your question. And so please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264 or send an email to dr white her email address is dr white at innovisions.org innovisions is a social enterprise of the neighborhood house association of san diego california funds raised go to support the neighborhood house association's mission developing children families and future leaders of our communities through empowerment education and wellness What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back with more on Leadership Matters. Karen, thank you so much for um, your question. Karen from Orange County. I uh, would like to know, Dr. Weber, what you most hope you're able to accomplish in your lifetime. 
Well, you know, I, I think um, if, if, if I'm, if I, you know, if I think about the the things I've, the goals I've set for myself, and and the things I'd like to accomplish in my lifetime, you know, I, I I'm just, a, you know, I have very simple simple goals and asks. One of the things is I would love to be able to replicate myself, to basically uh, have someone else who is always ready and able to step into any challenge that I have met. And I think when you're able to transfer those responsibilities and that power to someone else who's equally enthusiastic and equally um, committed, you're going to keep the movement alive. And so I don't look at an individual things like, oh, well, I want to build a name after myself or some of those kinds of things. I want to create someone who I know that when I move away from this, this scene or this position, that there'll be somebody in this seat who has the same fire that I have and the same drive and same desire. I think all of us should be working to uh, transfer that to someone else because the reality is we will have to. And sometimes people don't do that in foresight. So I spend a lot of time working with um, young women, uh, and I'm proud that I've got some running for office this time that I've been working with uh, because I want them to basically, you know, become the, the new elected official. Um, I, I want to transfer that, that ability to, to get elected and to be an advocate and a voice for someone else. And so uh, that's really my goal, and I think everyone's goal in life ought to be to transfer it to someone else, to pass it to the next generation, because that's what makes progress. I will accomplish a few things in this life and have, and, uh, you know, for the greater good in terms of some of the bills I've passed and things that will be, will be groundbreaking things. But at the same time, I want to make sure that someone else continues. I don't want to, I don't want people to say, oh, well, when Shirley's was there, we got things done, but now that she's gone, nothing's happening. That is not a compliment to me because it says I didn't do my job of transferring that power. And so for me, that is, is one of the things I want to make sure that I always do is transfer the power to someone else. I love that. I, I love the idea of being mindful about not only making a positive difference, but as you said, keeping the movement going by making sure that there's someone to pass that baton to, that yes, someone that yes, kind of keeps the movement that happening. Giving, and, I, and, I, and I try to work with young women who are enthusiastic, and I try to let them see the full picture of what I do, not just the glamour and the good things. I, I share with them the, the heartache, the pain, the difficulty, um, the courage you have to have, sometimes the disappointment that you have in others where you think they should be there with you and they aren't, all of those things have to be honestly shared. And, and I had folks who kind of mentored me in that way, but, uh, but not, I think not enough. And so I really work hard to make sure that, that I surround myself by young folks who, who really take the mantle and run forward with it and can basically transfer it to them. And, uh, and to me, that's a compliment. It's kind of like when your mother says, you're always going to be good when she's around, but the greatest compliment is when she's gone and somebody says, you know, uh, you, you must be so-and-so's child because you know how to act. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so that mm-hmm. then is a compliment to the parent because mm-hmm. they're not in the room. And I feel when I see folks and when people tell me about my staff and how good they are and how hard they work and how focused they are and how committed they are, that I think is the greatest accomplishment I can have is to surround myself by people who are going to pick up the mantle and carry the agenda. Excellent. Love that. Any final tips or thoughts that you want to leave our listening audience with? You know, I, 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 I didn't, you know, if someone had told me 
10, five, ten years ago that I'd be in the state assembly, I'd have laughed at him and walked away because I knew they were crazy because I had spent all of my life at the local level and did not see, obviously, um, what others saw in me in terms of coming to the Capitol. Um, but I do want to say to young folks, because we never, or anyone, we never know what direction we're going to take. We never know how, what, what's going to happen, but you should always be ready. That be prepared. Be you know, study your stuff. Uh, take the good fight. Engage yourself in your community. Be prepared so that when someone knocks at your door and say, "We want you to run," which is what happened to me, uh, when Tony Atkins, the current, the former speaker, called me and asked me to run, I was not preparing a campaign. I was not thinking of running. Uh, some people kind of asked me, and I just kind of dismissed it. Uh, but at least I was prepared. I had done the work. I had the background. I had the experience. I had been the advocate, and I wasn't afraid of the job. And I think uh, what I say to folks all the time is be ready, because you never know. You never, ever know what opportunity is going to knock at your door. And the worst thing to be is like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't get myself together. You know, I should have mm-hmm. been more prepared. I should have read that book. I should have gotten that degree. No, you work on yourself, and you constantly give, and you constantly work, not with the intent of being, being recognized, but just doing the work. You know, I have a lot of folks come to me and say, I want to be just like you. Tell me how to become famous. And I laugh because, I, one, I don't think I'm famous, but they do. And I said, if you want to be me, just serve. Without mm-hmm. asking for attention, for not asking for credit, find a cause and have people believe in you and believe in the work that you're doing. And know that when you fight for them, whether I was at San Diego State with the students or whether it was in the community at the school board, know that when you fight for them, you're fighting for the right thing and that you're a tenacious fighter. And as a result of that, people will give you recognition. They'll give you things you didn't ask for uh, simply because they're grateful for the service that you unselfishly provided for them. Most people who go out to become famous don't become famous. It's often those who do not look at fame, who do not look at those things, who look at an opportunity to serve, how, no matter how small or how large, you look at that opportunity and you prepare yourself in terms of your own skills and knowledge to basically take the challenge. Yeah, I love that. You know, I don't know if Oprah said this or if Stedman said this, but there was a quote that comes to mind. It says, success is when preparation meets opportunity. Exactly. And, you know, so I, I love that. And I, um, I love the just serve um, and I love the fact that you are the moral voice um, of the house and that you have shared with us the uh, challenge for those who are elected officials, but those who aren't serving elected uh, positions, those who are just serving and who are blessed to have authority and being in a leadership position just to be mindful of being the moral voices in this nation. So I uh, thank you so much for all of the... Um, wisdom that you've shared with us today. Um, If we have listeners who'd like to follow you, Dr. Weber, and learn more about you and your platform and the things that you are um, doing, where might they go for more information? Well, you can always go to, uh, I have several websites. One is drweberforassembly.com. And then you can always go to the California State Assembly's website to see the things that I'm doing. Uh, you can get on our mailing list uh, to find out what's going on in the district by simply calling my district office at 619-531-7920, uh, 531-7920. And then you can get all the information, probably more than you'd ever want, about me in terms of where we are, what we're doing, uh, what bills that we're putting forward, uh, activities occurring in the community, hearings, those kinds of things are all on my website. So, uh, And I'm easy to find. If you Google Shirley Weber, uh, my name will pop up a gazillion times, and you can pick one of those to use. 
Awesome. Well, again, thank you so very much well, uh, thank for you, being with us today. Yes, it, Thank you for just, this opportunity, and, and I hope mm-hmm. I said something that might inspire folks to want to serve. I'm, I am sure you did. And All right. Just um, bless myself, so I've, I've just enjoyed uh, the conversation. Well, thank so. you, and have a good day. Thank you, you too. And I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in, and thank you to those who sent in uh, questions. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.